1: The Bible says a tooth for a tooth, an eye for an eye, that'll get them. Maybe you just try to forget about it. Maybe if I ignore the offense, it'll go away. Maybe you gather your friends on a campaign against the offender and you set up battle lines and eventually they bring division and strife. And actually those are the kinds of things that bring church splits. You know, none of those are options that Jesus allows. He gave us one and only one option when we are offended in how to deal with that. We have to be honest with the individual and in love, tell them the offense. We have all been offended at
0: some point by someone. We probably have also offended people, whether intentionally or not. The fact is, offenses happen, even within the church. The question is, how do you deal with those who have offended you? The theme of forgiveness is one of the most spoken of throughout the Bible. Today, Pastor David will teach what Jesus himself had to say about offenses and forgiveness. He cared so deeply about the issue and spoke very passionately in favor of those who have been offended. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, The Call to Forgiveness.
1: Let me ask you a question this morning. Have any of you ever been offended? It's kind of a stupid question, huh? I think every one of us have been offended in one way or another through life, and maybe on a regular basis you get offended. Well, maybe you need to toughen up in that case, but I think that every one of us get offended. Uh, Now, let me ask you another question. Have you ever been the offender? I think that probably every one of us fall into that boat, too, at one time or another. Sometimes, absolutely not on purpose, not meaning to be that way, but sometimes we say something or do something that, again, just comes against someone and, and wounds someone. And again, sometimes that's a wounding of a brother or sister in the faith. Sometimes that's a wounding of a spouse or a family member. Those kinds of things happen. We just It's just the reality of, of life for us. doesn't mean that we need to just excuse it and blow it off. It does mean that we need to Pay attention and again, as the scripture is going to tell us in a little bit, take heed to ourselves again in how we live our lives. Today, we're going to look at two separate issues as we are in Luke chapter 17. I invite you to turn there if you would. Luke chapter 17. Two separate issues that we're going to be looking at. One issue this whole idea of of true offenses, the kind of offenses that actually attack someone in, in the very core of their faith, the kind of offenses that could bring someone actually start doubting their faith and, and falling from the faith. and Jesus is going to be dealing with that. But then we also come to this other, the second kind of offense that again, you've wounded someone by the things that you've said, by the things that you've done, or someone else has wounded you. How do you deal with those kinds of things in a biblical way? And we're going to be looking at that this morning. We're going to be dealing with a topic of forgiveness forgiveness. Do you realize how huge the topic of forgiveness is within the Bible? I mean, it's like huge. It's like massive. It's like all throughout the word of God dealing with forgiveness. It begins, doesn't it, all the way back in Genesis as God forgave Adam and Eve in their sin. And you know what? It carries on throughout it in the teaching, the encouragement, and actually the command that you and I as children of God, that we live our lives in an attitude of Forgiveness, we're gonna look at that this morning. The first thing we're gonna see today is that Jesus is very, very serious in this whole matter of offenses. Now, he's not dealing with PC. He's not dealing with political correctness kind of things. No, he's dealing with those kinds of offenses that would come against a a young believer, somebody new in the faith that would cause them to doubt or or to walk away from the faith. And as well as this whole idea that's going to bring offenses within the body of Christ sinning against one another and how we deal with that. We're going to look at those. These offenses come from outside the church as well as within the church, from things happening within the world as well as within the body of Christ. How do we deal with these kinds of issues? Look with me, if you would, Luke chapter 17. We're only going to be able to cover about five verses this morning, but if you'll look there with me as I read them this morning. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. And then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come but woe to him through whom they do come. It'd be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea, then he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, you forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and seven times a day returns to you saying, I repent, guess what? you should forgive him. Easy teaching this morning, isn't it? (laughs) Easy teaching, but a lot tougher to live out. I totally understand that. To help you get kind of a better idea, particularly of verses one and two here in chapter 17, you need to realize that Jesus' statement about this was also repeated in Mark chapter nine as well as in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 18. As a matter of fact, Matthew's passage declares it this way, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it'd be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offenses come. The context of this Matthew passage is some would think, well, he's speaking about young children. Don't offend the young children. and Because just earlier on in that passage, he had told them, hey, don't keep the young children from coming to me, such as the kingdom of heaven. You can't even go to the kingdom of heaven unless you have faith like these young children. And then he speaks about woe to those that bring offenses. But the principle of what he's saying goes much further than those that are young in faith when they're in age, but also for those who have not been believers for very long. New believers. Woe to those that bring those kinds of offenses, regardless of the age. You see, during Jesus' time, there were those that were coming to faith in him as Messiah, and they were moving out of that authoritative wing of these Pharisees and these Sadducees, and because of that, they were continually being attacked, not only by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but even by family members, family members who had been, you know, again, they, they were Jewish by birth. And now you're moving away from the teachings of Judaism. You're moving to the following of this man here, this rabbi from up in Galilee. And again, the attacks that were coming to all of these new believers in both are all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That word that there is translated in the King James and the New King James as offend or offenses, it comes from a Greek word scandalon. Scandalon. Uh, can you think of a, an English word that kind of comes almost a transliteration from that? Scandal. That kind of an idea. But actually, the word means uh, directly a trap stick or a bent sapling. You know what you would do, uh, you know, like you're out in the woods and you got to find some food and stuff. So, you you know, the old traps that they used to set by a snare is what it was called. And the game would come along and they would go after the bait that was set in the snare. And suddenly they would trip it and the sapling or the the stick or whatever would, would come up and they would catch the game. They would either imprison it or it would kill them at that time. Either one. That's what this word actually means. It also carries with it the meaning of a stumbling block, a cause of displeasure, or something that offends. This whole idea of scandalon. It's translated in different ways in different Bible versions in the book, The Message. I don't some of you, again, how you care about that version. I don't that's not the point. Uh, they translate it. Hard trials and temptations are bound to come. The NIV says things that cause people to sin are bound to come. The Net Bible says, stumbling blocks are sure to come. The English Standard Version says, temptations to sin are sure to come. Another version says, impossible it is for fatal traps to come. I think that's the Yoda version, so I'm not sure about that. Actually, it's Linsky. But all three of the Gospel narratives, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that carry this account of Jesus' teaching We see that Jesus zeroes in on these offenses that are given or are made toward somebody that's young in faith. In one account it says that woe to that one that would offend one of these little ones or these little ones who believe in me causing them to sin or to stumble. Again, these are the ones that are particularly vulnerable to falling from faith, losing their faith when they're offended, whenever they're attacked or pushed by by someone in regards to their faith. And Jesus says, man, woe to you if you do that to somebody who is new in the faith. You see, they were breaking away from the old life of following the law and the rigidness of all the Pharisaic laws. And they were trying to now walk in this new life of walking in grace and the difficulties of that, and so here in Luke chapter 17, at the end of verse one, moving into verse two, Jesus gives these offenders this strong woe warning. Now you need to understand that that's not the woe as in woe to, you know, to stop, no, that's the woe is unto you. It's a warning, and, and when Jesus says woe to you, you know what, that, that's a woe you better pay attention to. He says woe to him through whom these offenses come. Be better if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the depth of the sea. You need to understand the extremity of what Jesus is saying here. I mean, this is totally radical what he is saying. This millstone is what would be used to grind grain or or corn. Now, within a home, you might have a, a millstone that could very easily be 18 to 30 inches, just depending upon how it is. Either you're working this thing by hand or you've got an animal that's working it back and forth. Commercially, they got much, much bigger than this. But regardless of that, you're talking about a stone that could weigh 30, 40, 50 pounds on up, depending upon the size of it. And to have a millstone hung around your neck and then they throw you into the ocean. I don't care if it's a 30-pound stone or a 50 or 150. The result is the same. You're going to drown. You're going to drown. Now, that's pretty radical. When you think about that, what Jesus is saying here, one writer puts it this way. He says the crime of causing a young believer to stumble in his or her faith is so terrible in the eyes of Jesus that he mentions an unheard of manner of death as being vastly preferable to them committing that sin. No human judge or court ever decreed such a death as this penalty we've had the guillotine, we've had electrocution, we've had chemicals to put in to cause someone, a lot of different ones. But what court ever said, hey, we're going to put a millstone around your neck and we're going to throw you in the ocean for your crime? That's pretty radical. And I think without a doubt, that got the Pharisees' attention when, when suddenly they're there with him and he's speaking these things. You caused one of these young ones to stumble. He would have been better off that a millstone would be around your neck and you were thrown in. It would have been better off if you would have died that kind of a death, long before you ever had the opportunity to cause one of these little ones to stumble. It was a severe warning. Much better for that to happen to someone than for them to then, after they've caused someone to stumble, to go and stand before the judgment seat of God. Today, the attack on young believers, it, it comes from a variety of sources. It's not just religious leaders, we're a whole different culture now, but within the culture, there are so many attacks for someone who is young in the faith. We think about our youth right now. So many times, you're, they're raised in a Christian home, they've gone to church all of their lives, and then they go off to the, many of the secular colleges or universities in the areas. And it seems like these professors feel like they have this sworn duty to cause these young students to reject the foolishness of faith, receive without question these statements of their atheistic or, at best, their agnostic beliefs. So many of our young people are being knocked off their feet in regards to their faith once they enter the college or university setting. Now, I'm not against going to college or the university. I think education is a great thing. But you know what? Our children, our youth need to be founded and secure in their faith before they go. Why? Because the attacks are real, they are consistent, and they are continual as they go into these places. Professors that have room for a tolerance of every kind of creed and and declaration and lifestyle that's known to man, except for the declarations of faith for somebody that's grown up in the Judeo-Christian home style. Take, for instance, kind of a culmination of some real life stories. As a child, Jody loved reading the gospel accounts of Jesus' life. But a Bible as literature class in her community college changed all that. Jody was shocked as her professor listed numerous historical errors in her beloved gospel stories. Then he spent a full week detailing what the considerable laughable scientific errors were throughout the Old and the New Testament. And finally, he made his students memorize a chart of seemingly irrefutable contradictions found within the Bible. And having never heard evidence to the contrary, Jody accepted her professor's view as fact and permanently retired her childhood Bible in a box in the closet. You know what, that's happening all over our nation, literally all over the world. But it's not just academia. These offenses are found in every fabric of our culture. A culture that, that celebrates the perversities of a Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner, and yet they berate and they mock and they scorn someone like a Tim Tebow because he would dare stand for his faith. I could go on and on about these attacks to young believers, the entertainment industry, mocking Christianity every chance they get, government regulations ruling uh, more and more against biblical standards. You just need to understand that in this world, it's impossible for these offenses not to come. But woe to that man. By whom they come. And Jesus says, man, you need to take heed to yourselves. You need to be careful. It's a warning for all believers because all of us are subject to these same kind of attacks in our faith. We need to be founded. We need to be grounded. We need to be knowledgeable, not only knowing what we believe, but why we believe it. It's so easy many times to be discouraged, to be pulled away from our faith if we're not grounded. These basics of the faith need to be taught over and over again, not only to the young believers, but also for those who have been believers for years man just a refreshing just a renewal of it why because you're being bombarded from every side against it we're going to pick back up with uh, again classes on the foundations of the faith a a 10-week series and we're going to kind of keep rotating that about these very things because it's so important for you and I to be grounded in these things now, the second of the issues here that Jesus is dealing with, Jesus reminded us that it's not just the world that causes people to stumble in their faith. Many times, believers can be responsible to cause the same, if not worse, offenses against each other. The fact is, is as we live our lives out as believers, there's a lot of times we're gonna get offended. And there's a lot of times we're gonna offend each other. I know that I've been an offense to others once or twice in my life. <laughs> Maybe once or twice a week or a day, but uh, listen to what he says in verse three. Now, the second part, he moves on. He says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. There's no doubt they said increase our faith. If i have got to be giving that much forgiveness continually, my faith needs to be increased. Because after about the second, maybe the third time, I'm saying, hey, forget about it. Forget about it. But that's not what Jesus said. Been offended by somebody. You know, man, it's, it's your faith that's going to keep you strong. It's your faith that's going to allow you to be able to offer forgiveness to that one. I fully understand that probably every one of us in this room, we've been offended by, or we ourselves, we've been sinned against by fellow believers at one time or another. So how do we deal with those things? They said something to you or about you to others, and it was far from complimentary. They broke a confidence that you felt that you had together. You trusted them, you opened your heart to them and suddenly you find out your whole story is being declared on the local gossip review. For no apparent reason, they completely blew you off when you had this very real, this very urgent need that you knew that they could help you with. Or they didn't follow through with their word and even when you and others depended upon their word. Maybe they cheated you in a business deal. <laughs> Does that happen in the Christian community? Oh yeah. Yeah. Or maybe simply, they were unfaithful in their friendship in some way. Now, let me make it really clear here. In, in areas of abuse and in areas of addiction, it's a, it's a whole other matter, and you deal with those differently than what Jesus is speaking about here. He's speaking about the normal, regular offenses that, again, we can inflict on each other. Listen to another case story. This is Carmen. And as I read this, ask yourself, could you have been the one that caused the offense? Or perhaps you are the one that's been offended by something very similar. Carmen became a believer at a very early age, but she hadn't been to church now for over 10 years. Carmen grew up in a modest income family in an ethnically diverse area of the town, but she attended a large middle-class church with her grandmother, at least until May 2nd, 2006. On that particular Sunday, she overheard two of the prominent men within the church sharing these jokes about Hispanics and immigration. And one of these men had just taught her Sunday school class to love thy neighbor as Jesus commanded. What hypocrites. Because of that incident, Carmen hasn't set foot in a church since. Why should she go to a place that seems just as racist as the world around her? Why fellowship with other Christians if they can hurt you just as much, if not even more, as everyone else? Yeah, we can be offensive. And yes, we can be offended. And as you grow in Christ, the question is, is how do you deal with those who have offended you? Do you simply hold a grudge, you ignore them, you, you write them off your Christmas list, you know, no more cards for them? Or maybe you're, you figure, well, I'll offend back, you know? You know, the, the Bible says a tooth for a tooth, an eye for an eye, that, that'll get them. Maybe you just try to forget about it. Maybe if I ignore the offense, it'll go away. Or maybe you gather your friends on a campaign against the offender and you set up battle lines, and eventually they bring division and strife. And actually, those are the kinds of things that bring church splits. You know, none of those are options that Jesus allows. He gave us one and only one option when we are offended in how to deal with that. We have to be honest with the individual and in love tell them the offense we have to let them know. It says rebuke them. It's not you're coming in and slamming the person. No, that's the idea of you're coming in and saying, hey, listen. You know what you said the other day when we were standing there in the group? And that just cut me to the heart. You really and truly did offend me by what you said and the things that you said. And you know when you said that you were going to do this and you failed in doing it, I want you to know, man, that, that really hurt because we're depending upon you. And you know, we come to them with an abundance of humility. We come to them with an abundance of love, why? Because the whole reason for that is reconciliation. You see, to restore relationship, that's what we're called to as believers.
0: We can all remember the marketing campaign WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliche, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what he did do when he was here on Earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need.
1: Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks,
0: Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. Make us